From Washington, I'm David Schultz, and this is Talking Tax. Well, we had a pretty major development on Capitol Hill earlier this week, and that's going to be the topic of today's discussion. The chairman of the House and Senate Tax Writing Committees, Missouri Republican Jason Smith and Oregon Democrat Ron Wyden, respectively, announced they've reached an agreement on an $80 billion deal to renew some expired business tax breaks and expand the child tax credit. The deal would also expand the low-income housing credit and would enact a new tax agreement with Taiwan. There would be a lot of winners and losers if this deal gets through Congress and makes it to the president's desk. And here to unpack all of that with us is Anna Taylor, a deputy managing principal for tax policy at Deloitte. Before joining Deloitte a year ago, she had worked as a Democratic tax staffer on Capitol Hill for almost two decades. Taylor spoke to Bloomberg tax and accounting reporter Chris Chaffee just hours after the deal was unveiled. And she started off by talking about her reaction to finally seeing this long-awaited tax package. I think everybody in Washington tax policy world was excited to see the step in the process, to actually see, uh, you know, pen to paper and and hopefully the start of some sort of bipartisan, bicameral deal on taxes that could come together this year. You know, it it looked like I expected, um, generally speaking. The changes on the ERTC front not necessarily a surprise, but something that I think has come into the conversation later than some of the other pieces. But based on just, you know, recent press reports about some of the, you know, some of the activity that's been happening in this space, things the IRS has been looking at, you've heard members on the tax writing committees talking about wanting to do something here. So I wouldn't call that a surprise, but I would say that piece is maybe later to the process than some of the others. Right. Now you're talking about the ERTC. Uh, Lawmakers propose paying for the package by ending new claims for the Troubled Employee Retention Tax Credit Program. Uh, I believe they set the date currently at January 31st. Do you see this as a challenge for any legitimate businesses who haven't filed claims yet? It's a really good question that I'm not sure I have an answer to. I mean, I I definitely know there's lots of activity in the space, and I'm sure there is legitimate activity in the space. So, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure how Uh, The IRS is going to work through all of that. The details are going to matter. And I know people are going to want to look at this piece really closely to figure out exactly how it's going to work and how it's going to impact people who may still be claiming this credit. Can you talk at all about what this agreement means for business and how it changes the current child tax credit a little bit? These details are things that we've heard uh, for several weeks now, but we're finally getting to see them in kind of a more concrete way. Sure. So the big pieces, both the TCJ pieces and the child tax credit uh, modifications are, I wouldn't say they're surprises. They are pieces that have been a big focus for whether it's the business community or the individual taxpayer advocacy community regarding the child tax credit. These are important changes. Um, and while we're not talking about a kind of reconciliation level type bill here, this is an important package. And you have to go back a couple years as some of these TCJ changes started taking a place. Now, remember, nobody ever thought they were going to actually come to be. Everybody thought that before you know, all of these provisions started stair-stepping down, you would get some sort of bipartisan relief. And unfortunately, over the last couple of years, though, there was, I think, broad consensus that those provisions should be fixed. 
there were other challenges, whether it was process and just the lack of an environment to move a package uh, on a vehicle, which we may get into more later, you know, that may still be somewhat of a challenge, um, or whether it was kind of talking past each other on other pieces of the package. I, I would say the child tax credit piece in particular is one that in the last Congress, um, there wasn't consensus on. So that is a bit, you know, that piece in and of itself is a big step forward. So it is really um, a step forward to be where we are today. And it's something that people have been looking closely for, even though it, it doesn't seem uh, like it should have been that hard. It, it has been hard. It is hard. Right. And now we have an agreement between the two chairmen, Wyden in the Senate and uh, Smith in the House. But Notably absent was the ranking members, right? You didn't have Neil, uh, Richard Neal, uh, the ranking member at Ways and Means, nor did we have uh, Mike Crapo, the ranking member on Senate Finance. Obviously, the deal announced by Smith and Wyden is a big step forward. But without the ranking members on their respective committees, the question is, where do lawmakers go next? And You'd think that that would require a lot of salesmanship, I suppose, for lack of a better word, to other members of their parties, not only on the committee, but in the Congress at large. For sure. I mean, I think the million dollar question right now is where is ranking member Crapo on this package? He and his team have been a party to all the conversations that have happened thus far. But as you mentioned, that they are not signed on to the deal at the, at the current moment. And so, it, you know, do they need to see things change in the package? Do they need to see things added? Are they concerned about process? I think a lot of people are, are wondering where ranking member Crapo is on this because I, you know, I don't see a path forward in the Senate if you don't have a, a bipartisan deal in the Senate. So hopefully that will become clearer in the days ahead. As you mentioned, ranking member Neal is also not a party to the deal and has, I believe, expressed some reservations about the child tax credit piece in particular. I think he wanted to see more done on the child tax credit than is in this package. So does that mean he'll oppose the package? I don't I don't think we know yet. So to be determined where those very important uh, members come down on this deal and um, they'll play an important role in determining whether it can actually get over the finish line. Talking about sort of grabbing that uh, attention, as someone who has been around the Hill, how, how do tax writers get the attention of leadership in a climate where there are so many different distractions on their time and maybe trying to get it done could jeopardize something else like funding the government? So I'm curious your thoughts there. Well, they definitely, the leaders have, uh, you know, a lot of balls in the air, that's for sure. And uh, the new speaker, probably more than most, given uh, that he is so new to his position and trying to juggle so many things all at once right now. So I don't envy any of them ever, and uh, particularly right now with everything that's on their plate. But, you know, I do think that ultimately it's really simple. At the end of the day, if their members see a value in this, uh, then they're going to be interested in pursuing it. You know, I know the Senate w far better than I know the House. Um, but, I, you know, I do think that there are members of, of both bodies that see a real value in a lot of pieces in this package. I think that the chairman have, uh, you know, taking the step of, of making the package public is only going to help with that. It's going to hopefully 
you know, build momentum so that there is a proposal on paper that members can go home and talk about, they can hear from their constituencies on, and then they're going to come back to their leadership and say, hey, we really do, we really do want this. We see the value and we want to pursue it. So I, you know, I think that at the end of the day, it, it is simple. They're going to listen to their members. I know there's a number of members of the Senate Finance Committee who are excited about some of the pieces, the child tax credit in particular. So I know that Senate leadership is hearing about um, some of these pieces from their members. And I think it's probably the same in the House. So we'll see. I mean, with that said, there are these other priorities that, you know, obviously keeping the government open has to be at the top of mind for Leader Schumer, Leader McConnell, and the Speaker. Um, But, um, you know, that doesn't mean there aren't ways to make it all work, you know, if there's consensus in both bodies. And to that point, you're going to have forces from within the Congress lobbying on behalf of this tax package, obviously, R&D one of the premier, I suppose, pieces of the tax, the business tax breaks that people have pushed most for. But how would you expect business to lobby House and Senate leadership and and members aggressively on this to try and get it across the finish line? It seems like it's too, probably too late for this week, but there are other uh, options as we go forward. Well, I think in terms of, I mean, business, look, business has been lobbying on this aggressively for, um, you know, I I can go back to my prior seat when I was working in the Senate. You know, this was something that there was a big effort on. I think that members have been hearing for a number of years from their constituent businesses on these issues. It's not like they're going to be starting now. I think the real question at this point is, what is the process that people are, people want to know how, okay, we have a package that we all like, how do you get it over the finish line? And so, you know, I do think that you'll hear people advocating for, you know, how to move forward. And I will say, I I don't know the best way to move forward on that. You know, is it as a standalone? Uh, You know, I know there's uh, some talk in the house about, could they try to move this as a standalone package? Look, traditionally, these sorts of packages are really difficult to move as standalone packages. Uh, You know, I think it's been over a decade um, since you've seen a standalone tax package move through regular order in the Senate. Because when you get into an open amendment process on the floor of the Senate on a tax bill, it's, it's really difficult. One, it's really difficult for the leaders to manage, but it's also really difficult for the members. They don't really like all the votes they have to take in that kind of scenario. So for these reasons, um, it's much more likely that you could see a, a positive outcome where uh, you have it tacked on to some sort of broader appropriations bill. And so, you know, I think that that is really the question at the moment is not just ha- not Uh, people trying to convince support for the pieces of the package. I think there's a lot of support across the board for the package. It's more a question of how do you convince uh, kind of the, the leadership to move forward with a process that will work to get it over the finish line. The Congress watchers love gaming out the, the timeline, right? We're thinking about, well, if it doesn't get on the stopgap funding bill, that's Friday and it gets punted until early March then the filing season has started. Then you're starting to get into some issues when it comes to timing related to voters getting to see the impact of the child tax credit or businesses being able to do that R&D deduction 
does it slide until next year? Well, that's after the election. So obviously a lot of questions here when the filing deadline is so soon. But is there anything else that you think is important that we haven't covered in terms of the overall climate that we're kind of in right now when it comes to releasing a tax bill? You don't think that Wyden and Smith missed their chance by by putting it out now? No, I think that, the, I mean, I think there's still, I think there's still time. I think that there's an opportunity and I do think that there's uh, a consensus on, in both parties and on both sides of the hill that they need to try to get something done. So no, I, I, um, I, I think that, I don't think they've missed their chance at all. Hopefully they'll um, figure out a way to get this over the finish line, but let's keep in mind as we close out here that while they may get this one over the finish line, these provisions all expire at the end of 25. So they're just setting, you know, it's just a place setting for the uh, tax debate of all tax debates. that's going to have to happen post 2024 elections when uh, all of the TCJ expirations uh, plus potentially expirations from this package are all set to line up in 25. That was Deloitte's Anna Taylor, a former Democratic Hill staffer, talking with Chris Chaffee. And that's it for today's podcast. You can find up-to-the-minute news and the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax was produced by myself, David Schultz. Martha Mueller-Neff is our editor from Washington. I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. In a global tax landscape that changes by the day, it's what you don't know that can leave you exposed. At Bloomberg Tax, we provide market-leading intelligence and practical applications to help tax professionals work smarter, faster, and more accurately. Our solutions provide the insights you need for game-changing outcomes. To revolutionize your performance in real time, the difference is Bloomberg Tax. Learn more at pro.bloombergtax.com.